Welcome to the Church Times podcast. Try 10 issues for £10 or two months access to our website and apps also for £10. Go to churchtimes.co.uk forward slash new hyphen reader. Hello, this is Sarah Merrick with the Church Times Book Club podcast. And I'm in conversation today with Alex Faludi, one of our freelance contributors. And we're going to be talking about the book we've chosen as this month's book club title, which is a classic of the 20th century. It is For Whom the Bell Tolls by Ernest Hemingway, which was published in 1940. Now, Alex, you nominated For Whom the Bell Tolls as a book club pick. I wonder if you could start by telling us, please, a little bit about the story. And I think as you do that, um, it'll become apparent why this is such a timely uh, choice in 2023. Yes. So the novel follows uh, the path of, of Robert Jordan, who is an American volunteer and explosives expert, and they're also a a professor of literature, a volunteer who has joined the Spanish Republican cause um, during the Civil War. And it follows him um, in particular in the three days that lead up to um, a significant uh, battle as he locates himself uh, amongst partisans uh, while he prepares to blow a bridge to help uh, his sides advance um, and focuses very particularly on the question of retaining one's humanity in the midst of conflict, dealing with um, moral ambivalence about the cause in which you are engaged and how the uh, great powers of the world test their strength against each other uh, directly and by proxies uh, uh, on the edge of Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's probably the, the point that, uh, as it were, kind of most clearly dovetails to the present geopolitical mm-hmm. situation. And many critics um, think of this as Hemingway's greatest novel, um, although it's always been controversial. It very nearly won a Pulitzer Prize in 1941, I I gather. But the head judge scotched that at the very last minute. Mm. It wasn't available in Spain until the 1950s. And it was banned in Turkey in the 1970s because it was thought to be unfavourable to the state. Mm. Um, And yet in 2019, the BBC listed it as one of the 100 most inspiring novels. So I wonder what it is that you find so striking about it. What is the power of this book that it provokes those strong reactions? Uh, it's, its power is, I think, in its ambivalence, um, in how it uh, articulates um, the sense of being with people, searching for a, 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 a life raft of meaning and how... In the midst of that, we are we are forced to to improvise, to fumble in in the dark, um, to make sense of the pattern uh, into which our lives fit. And uh, also, I mean, so on on that on that level, as uh, the novel deals with challenges both to religious faith and uh, to secular faith, and and the shaking of those things by experience, and how to uh, write oneself um, uh, despite them. Um, There's also, uh, I suppose for me, in a kind of professional way as as a a journalist, an an, an interesting dimension to it because it was how uh, Hemingway um, later um, 
processed his own experience as as a war correspondent um, and did a sort of moral reckoning with himself um, and all of the things he felt he'd had to leave out as a reporter who sympathised with the Republican cause. Yeah, so it is semi-autobiographical, isn't it, and inspired Mm. by his own experience in the Spanish Civil War. So there's a mix of real people events and fictional creation. Do you think that works for the reader? Yes and no. So um, it's a very vivid book. Its its descriptions of action and of nature are um, a, a, a very rich. Um, uh, Hemingway uh, is often known as quite a spare writer um, uh, uh, in terms of what he leaves out and leaves for the reader to fill in. And that's not the case with this novel. This is a great exception. There's almost sort of baroque character to some of the descriptions and, and the prose, which partially reflects Hemingway's own attraction to the Baroque texture of Catholic faith in Spain. But um, not all of the characters are as convincing as each other. Robert Jordan um, has uh, has complexity um, and is really a stand-in for Hemingway himself. And the, the combination of explosive expert, explosives expert and literary scholar um, reflects something of, of the duality of Hemingway's own personality. Pilar uh, who's the real heroine of, of, of the book, um, the feisty, heroic, uh, sort of Amazonian female warrior amongst uh, the partisans is also compelling and uh, and, and, and convincing. Um, I think critics have been a bit concerned by the presentation of Maria, who uh, on the one hand has complexity in that she she exercises this amazing attraction, even though her you know she's been traumatized and her head's been shaved and um, you know she's she's been robbed of her femininity. But there's a, a, a worry, I think, for for some that she's too pliant in mm-hmm. in Robert's hands, mm-hmm. um, and um, that uh, you know plays into some of the own you know, so some of the admitted problems of, of Hemingway's relationships with women in general. Because mm-hmm. he sort of, I mean, she is also his path to redemption in a way but it is it's it's, mm. it's relatively superficial i think i think is what you're saying it, it is uh, it is there is there is a, a problem there but he she does inspire in him even though he's sort of you know his faith in 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 much of the republican cause has drained away and he still knows what he's fighting against but not what he's fighting for um she gives him the ultimate reason to sacrifice his life. Um, it, it's the, um, you know, he he, he finds a, a, a sort of redemption in that substitution of his life for hers. Mm-hmm. And let's just step sideways for a moment outside this novel. Um, one mm. of the things that you've pointed out to me is that it's, um, it's really worth thinking about how um, For Whom the Bell Tolls fits in with Hemingway's other work, which would have been much mm. more present in his readers' minds at the time. Can you tell me a bit about that, please? Yes. Um, so there are there are kind of references that yeah would have been very obvious to to people who were um, you know confronted by his 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 oeuvre, um, uh, uh, and which perhaps slip us by a little bit more now. So the way that the nationalist leaders are run through the streets. Uh, of the village in, in in Pilar's flashback, you know, quite cruelly and brutally on the way to their deaths, uh, is, is a clear echo of his vivid descriptions of the running of the bulls through the streets of Pamplona in um, Death in the Afternoon. Uh, the way the artisans are hunted in their um, mountain uh, hideaway 
uh, it recalls his own hunt for the leopard in in the snows of, of Kilimanjaro for the noble leopard in in, in Kilimanjaro, Kilimanjaro. Uh, and there's there's also a sort of um, the, the, the book answers a problem for him, which was the uh, where he felt he hit the limit of of capacity uh, with the documentary he made about the Spanish Civil War uh, at the Spanish Earth, where he kind of laments at one point near the front line that he cannot go further into the ultimate loneliness of that which is known as contact, uh, where a man has only himself and five other men and before them only the great unknown. And and so it, it, you know, it, 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 it fits into his canon and negotiates with it in, in quite a, a complicated way. And again, there's, there's ambivalence there because uh, there's something animalistic uh, in uh, the way that uh, the uh, nationalist leader, leaders are treated like the bulls on the way to their death, um, and yet there's something ennobling um, about um, comparisons with animals throughout the rest of the book, and and uh, by implication with the um, uh, link back to, to, to Kilimanjaro. Um, and ultimately, in the last lines of the novel, as I pick up in, in the, sort of the, the peaceful CT, um, the, the, the sense of, of being fully integrated with nature provides the book with a sort of um, culminating spiritual dimension. So um, uh, to be animalistic uh, it, it is both damning and elevating in, in, in sort of Hemingway's worldview. And we'll come on to some of the spiritual aspects in, in just a moment. But I, one thing I was reflecting on, most of the book takes place in these um, these mm. three days. It's very mm. intense. It's very claustrophobic. And I mm. wonder why do you think Hemingway chose to write it like that? What, what, mm. what Why did you take that approach in your view? Yes. Um, now, I'm, of course, um, Jordan uh, emerges after three days, more or less, in, in a cave, and they're, you know, they're strong, and, and, and does so to a new understanding of life, um, if not to, re, you know, to, to resurrection, exactly. And, you know, and, and there's a very sort of strong biblical parallel there, though perhaps maybe a sort of um, oblique reference to, to Plato's cave as, as, as well, and, and finding a way out of the, the shadows. Um, I think, in part, the book... Uh, um, has to do with with Hemingway's own uh, grappling with belief, uh, which is something that is far too uh, neglected by uh, by critics. It, it is, um, uh, you know, it, was, it, it wasn't until I'd read several books and seen a docu, docu and seen a documentary, you know, uh, uh, that I, I I found out that he had converted to Catholicism in the 1930s. Um, uh, and that sort of, and, you know, even in Mary Dearborn's uh, most recent biography, she just she does completely fail to, uh, despite many other great qualities in her work, um, grapple with the religious side of Hemingway. And this, this book uh, was written around the time that um, his marriage was failing, or one of his marriages was failing, um, the marriage for which he had converted to Catholicism, though uh, 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 that uh, was not without his also being personally attracted to it because of his experiences in Spain and with Spanish culture. And uh, one has the sense of him of, of him fumbling for a grammar to make sense of, of the moral universe in the same way that some of his, his characters do. He constantly needs to play with Christian motifs, even though um, he can't use them in an uncompromised way. And the the, the quotation from 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 uh, from Dunn, with which the book begins, 
sense is 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 emblematic of uh, of that. Though it's funny because of course it, 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 we think of this kind of dumb passage: "No man is an island." As a poem, uh, but it's not. It's it's an excerpt from one of his prose works, which has been made an island by Hemingway, yeah. uh, a textual island. And nobody thought of this as a separate text before Hemingway excerpted it like this on the, on the prefatory page to the novel. Um, and in its original context, um, it, it, it's about the universality of the church. Um, uh, but it's been exerted in such a way that it sort of retains he's uh, uh, it, it, it retains a um, a spiritual edge, but without the ecclesiastical um, surroundings. And that's kind of emblematic, I think, of where Hemingway was at the time. That's really interesting, isn't it? And and yes. in wartime, anyway, ideas of morality, it's a pretty murky business. Um, but we should yeah. also say that the characters, by and large, have rejected the Roman Catholic um, faith mm. because of the Catholic Church's support for the nationalist cause. Mm. And, and so that everybody is adrift, aren't they? There's this sense of everybody fumbling in the dark. I had a great yeah. sense of, and again, the cave, the darkness. I had a sense of people just sort of reaching out and trying to find a way. I mean, is that yeah. how it strikes you? Very much so, and I think probably um, one of the one of the most interesting characters in in the book in that regard is Anselmo, the old peasant. And I, I mean, there's a, a, a rather touching piece where he's narrating a story and refers to it happening in the time of the Holy Week of our former Lord, and you can kind of feel the, the, the you know the pathos behind that. Um, and there are a couple of other sort of uh, uh, bits where Anselmo brings this to the fore. He 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 says uh or Hemingway says then he stood against the tree stamping his feet softly and did not think any more about the bridge the coming of the dark always made him feel lonely and tonight he felt so lonely that there was hollowness in him as of hunger in the old days he could have helped this loneliness by saying by the saying of prayers and of coming home from when coming home from hunting he missed the prayers but he thought it would be unfair and hypocritical to say them and he did not wish to ask any favours or for any different treatment than for all the men than, than that, that all the men were receiving. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, there's, there's a wistfulness there. Um, and yet, uh, uh, speaking of what life might be after the war, uh, um, uh, after this necessary involvement with, with sin has, has ended, Anselmo thinks to himself, um, uh, after the war, there will have to be some great penance done for the killing, for if we have no longer religion after the war, then I think there must be some form of civic penance organised that all may be cleansed from the killing, or else we will never have a true and human basis for living. Yes, fascinating. And and are we supposed to think of I mean, the name Al Ans Anselmo? Is that just is that just a, a Spanish name? Or are we supposed to think of Saint Anselm? I don't know. Um, I I think probably it it's it is uh, adopted because it's a fairly characteristic. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Spanish yeah. name, um, and I don't um, see any other specific references to you to to Saint Anselm in uh, in uh, in the text. Though um, it's hard to think that the choice of Maria for the heroine is yeah. quite so accidental. Yes, <laughs> yes, absolutely, yes. And I was thinking as you were talking just then. Of course, the whole thing is all around a bridge, and you know, there's yeah. a real metaphor for a kind of you know the, the sort of um, transition from one way of being to another way of being, and what happens afterwards. Yeah. I don't know if I'm overthinking that. I think we should say something about the language. I was surprised because I came back to this having not read it for many years. And I was surprised. I found it quite hard work, the language, particularly mm. the dialogue. It felt 
as if it was written almost as if it had been translated. There was a sort of clunkiness about it with sort of... Yes, a certain details. obliqueness uh, in, yes. uh, in, 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 in the sort of working out what the reference of the conversation sometimes are. And I think uh, that has a number of reasons for it. And I have to say that what you've picked up on is something that uh, a number of, of Hemingway's admirers have struggled with in, uh, in the book, uh, not least Mary Dearborn. I think... It serves a number of purposes. One is that it creates a slight sense of disorientation. Mm-hmm. Um, and that um, gives us uh, um, a, a share of, of, of Jordan's disorientation in that unfamiliar environment, uh, both experientially and, and also culturally, because he's an outsider who is always having to translate to himself yeah. uh, in, in his own head. The, the these and thous in the dialogue can become a little trying. I think it has to be remembered that he is trying to communicate the different registers of the informal and formal you in in Spanish, and also the sort of conventions around how people were expected to do, to address each other in the um, communist international and its 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 sort of aligned groups. Um, uh, what I think does become interesting is whether the and thou. Um, it, uh, one place um, take on a sort of Johannine quality where he says to to Mary, uh, you know, I am thee and uh, and, uh, uh, and thee art me. Uh, you know, it, 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 it is like, you know, I am in the father and the father is in me sort of thing. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah. they're really interesting. And then I'm not a bit careful about this because not everybody will have read it yet, but the ending, mm. um, it's mm. quite ambiguous. And I wonder yeah. if you're willing to, what do, what do you think happens? I think we can probably, we can probably yeah. answer this, but I'd be interested to know what you think happens. At I, the think, I, I think the implication is that he shows his love for his friends by laying his life down for them. I, I think that's the, uh, the implication. Um, and it's the point where Hemingway, in, in a novel that, as I've said, is otherwise quite unlike the rest of his oeuvre, um, uh, takes us back somewhat into his normal register by leaving things slightly unsaid. Mm. And, but also him leaving it unsaid and allowing the uh, reader to supply the ending uh, uh, regarding Jordan's fate, um, of course, slightly dissolves the boundary between us and Jordan. So that's quite clever in terms of, you know, the, the kind of theme of, of human interconnectedness and paracohesis, mutual inheritance. And does that leave you feeling optimistic by the time you've got to the end of the book? Or do you feel that sort of kind of despair? Um, I think it's uh, Hemingway making his peace with the void and uh, him finding a sense of resolution in the acceptance of our natural limits and our own mortality. Mm-hmm. And I'm afraid I don't know this at all, but what, what, where did he go with his faith in the end? Did he, did he ever come back? I don't know him? either. No. I mean, the implication in, in Dearborn's biography is that it sort of faded away. But uh, I, I think that that's, you know, a, a question that, that, that deserves much, much more attention. And, and which which is somewhat neglected by by Hemingway scholars. So there is a thesis out there to be written by someone. Well, there is, and he certainly had a profoundly religious upbringing. That's the yes. other thing. I mean, yes. he, he came from this very kind of strongly quasi Puritan uh, Protestant family in in Illinois, um, and uh, many of his works do have a biblical allusion yeah. in the title. Um, I, I, obviously. Uh, 
for whom the bell tolls refers to John Donne, uh, the sun also rises is a quotation from Ecclesiastes and, and so on. So, I, I, you know, I think Hemingway's biblical literacy is, is you know, a, a, a book that probably does need to be written. Yeah, yes. And of course, another phrase that comes from it that I didn't realise until returning to it, this is where the phrase, and did the earth move? Um, yes, indeed. Came from, which was, which was <laughs> amused me that I had no idea, but that's that's something we should point out to our listeners. Um, well, indeed, yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much, um, Alex. Yeah. That's been very interesting. I think this, um, I think people have got a, uh, readers have got a treat in store. And one of the other things we always ask our contributors mm. is to recommend something else that they have read recently that they think mm. our readers might enjoy. And I wonder what you've come up with. Yes. So um, not, not perhaps the most cheerful, but um, but arresting um, is, is Arthur Kersler's Darkness at Noon, um, which I've I had to read while um, exploring a, a feature article on him for, for another publication. And it, it is, I mean, he was a hugely um, monstrous person, um, but Darkness at Noon is one of the great moral novels of the 20th century uh, in, in terms of its... Um, questioning uh, uh, of um, the limits of freedom and the state and um, the use of coercion and the value of human life. And uh, um, he was, I think, in many ways, a, 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 although Dr. Newton was written in German, um, he's a writer who, who was a greater writer in English generally because he was a, a non-native speaker who saw the language from without and and wasn't the prisoner of idiom. So, yes, anything by Kirstler, but, but in particular, Dr. Newton. Yeah. And would you recommend a particular translator or edition? Uh, well, there is a, um, a, a, a the most recent edition by Vintage has advantages over the text that everybody knows um, because it was uh, done by a professional translator recently from a rediscovered uh, German manuscript that was thought to be lost. Um, oh. Whereas the, the the first translation uh, uh, had had a number of. Of, of of rough edges so um yeah that, that that would be that would be the one to go for thank you that's really interesting um alex thank you very much it's been a pleasure talking to you thank you for your time this afternoon pleasure thank you thank you for listening to this week's episode of the church times podcast you can find more news analysis comment and book reviews on our website churchtimes.co.uk if you are not yet a subscriber to The Church Times, you can try your first 10 issues for just £10. You'll get the paper delivered to your door every Friday, plus full access to our website and digital archive. Go to churchtimes.co.uk forward slash subscribe to find out more.